Um, Pastor Jordan and Pastor Donna asked me to minister on Helps Team Sunday today. Um, Pastor Donna mentioned a little bit about it. Um, what Helps Team Sunday is, is um, it's where we give people an opportunity to plug into the church. To move forward in God's best life for you. You know, the Bible says that we can start, well, bless you. Well, we have all kinds of stuff. This is awesome. It's like Disney World. The, um, <laughs> hey, you can laugh. Church is fun, by the way, if you forgot. Um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the Bible says that, you know, there are practical things in life that God gives us to do in the book of Luke. And it says as we're faithful with these practical things, things that really we may not even think are that important. It says what ends up happening is he gives us access to the true riches. True riches. True riches aren't just financial. True riches are spiritual things. Supernatural things. Things that we can't do on our own. Things that we can't do by ourselves. Things that we can't fix in our own ability. But we get access to this power that can do all that for us. It can fix all that for us. So today that's what we're going to talk about. How do we gain access to that kind of thing? How do we, how do we you know, I, that, that, the phrase has just been rolling around in me, my best life. My best life. Am I living my best life? Jeremiah 29, he says, I know the thoughts I have for you, thoughts of good and not evil. And then if you study that out a little bit, it says so that you'd have the end you always dreamed of. The life you've always dreamed of. The other day we were talking, I guess, about all these Disney movies and they all end up with, there's all this stuff that goes on and then, of course, it all gets fixed because of a true love kiss. And I told my wife, I never want to have to see another true love kiss movie again. <laughs> yeah, Hallmark Christmas. It's coming. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's the Hallmark train. You know, there's a tragedy and all of a sudden I fell in love and everything's great now. Let me just cut to the chase. You don't have to watch it. That's what they all are. Yes, that's awesome. Can't we just fall in love without the tragedy? Wouldn't that be great? But, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> but that, the, the Word tells us, well, let, let's do this. Um, if you could please turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And that's where we're going to start this morning. Um, Helps Team Sunday finding out how to live our best life, how to get into all of the great things that God has for us so that our marriage looks the way we want it to look, so that our children look the way we want it to look, so that our health looks the way we want it to look, so that more importantly, the church, the body of Christ, people. People, there are people that you are gifted of God to reach and gifted of God to help. Never ever believe the lie, your part isn't important. Never, ever believe the lie, I can take some time off because they don't need me. Never, ever believe the lie that, well, someone else can take care of that. Never, ever believe the lie that you don't have a part. Never believe that lie because that's exactly what it is. It is a lie. Because the more people that the devil can get on the bench, the fewer players are on the field. And we need players. The body of Christ. Let me say this. God needs you. We don't need you as much as God needs you. God needs you. It doesn't matter who you are. Well, I don't think I'm very smart. That's a lie. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to do with smart. It just, it's just listen and obey. Listen and obey. Hey, Izod, stand up. Sit down. Stand up. Sit down. That's about it. Hear and obey. Hear and obey. That, that's what the Bible's full of. Hear and obey. Oh, Noah was amazing. He heard and obeyed. Abraham was amazing. He heard and obeyed. Jesus was amazing. He heard and obeyed. Mary was amazing. She heard and obeyed. So what she did, she just heard and obeyed. So look in here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, if you notice in your Bible, the word gifts is italicized, which means it wasn't in the original. The translators put it in there because they thought maybe this would help, but sometimes they got the meaning of the verse off a little bit. By what they added. Really, this should, should read, now concerning uh, things pertaining to the Spirit. Concerning things pertaining to the Spirit, I wouldn't have you ignorant. Now, you may be thinking, well, what is the Spirit? Well, here in this building, we can see we have a black wall up here, and we can see we have purple and, and, and green lights. I know they're like some other weird name. I don't know what it is, but just follow me for a second. We've got black carpet. We've got brown seats. We have all. How do you know that? Because this is part of the physical world. 
We contact the physical world with our five physical senses. We see, we taste, we touch, we hear, all of that sort of thing. But there's also a world that the Bible calls the unseen. It's something you can't see with your natural eye. It's something you cannot contact with your natural abilities. I can drive down to the homemade pine ice cream kitchen and get some ice cream in the natural. But I can't in the natural get into spiritual things. Yep. It doesn't matter how far you fly into space, you'll never find heaven because it's not a physical location. doesn't ha matter how much you dig into the earth, you'll never find hell because it's not a physical location. It doesn't matter how hard you stare around this room, you won't see angels because it's a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. So there is a world right alongside ours that is real and it has a great effect on what happens in our lives. That's why the Bible says don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. Don't be ignorant of how he does things. How does he do things? Spiritually. And it shows up in the natural. I've never seen the power of God go from one person to another. I've never with my physical eye seen that, but I've seen the result of that. I, I, I saw a doctor minister someone, their leg grew out. I didn't see the power that went in that caused that to happen because that's a spiritual thing, but I saw the natural result. Remember that woman doctor talks about down in Brentwood? She, 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 he was ministering to her, and she bent backwards so far that her head was this far off the ground. I, w I saw that. I was there. I didn't see the angel do it, but I saw the, the, the natural result of what took place. So what Paul's saying to the people here at Corinth, he's saying, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant and he doesn't want us to be ignorant of natural things, but he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of how spiritual things work. Healing, joy, peace, prosperity, liberty. I don't want you to be ignorant of those things. So what he starts doing is he starts talking to the people at Corinth about that. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. The Amplified Classic Bible says, I don't want you to be uninformed or misinformed. Those are two different things. Uninformed means you just don't know. Misinformed is more dangerous. You've been told wrong. If you're uninformed, you're a clean slate. Jesus didn't have a problem in the Bible with uninformed people. Misinformation leads to religious thinking. That's where religion comes from, misinformation. Jesus only had a problem with religious people, not ignorant people. Because when you're ignorant, you're a clean slate, you can learn. But when you think you know, but you know wrong, then you refuse truth. And that's where people get into trouble sometimes. Even in churches like ours, we can think we know, but we have to be humble enough to understand, you know, there are some things maybe I don't get. Amen. So Paul starts out here, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Verse 2, he says, you know that you were Gentiles. Gentiles just means unbelievers. Carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. That just means uh, there in Corinth, they would worship statues of Zeus and Poseidon, and Athena. And he said, it's full. how often did those statues speak to you and give you counsel? That's what he's saying. Well, they're dumb. They can't speak. He said, why would you worship something that can't help you? Is what he was telling the people. And listen, we think it's ridiculous. We would never go home and have a little idol and bow down to it in our home, but we've got social media. Yeah, and we have sports, and we have shopping, and we have, we have other things in our lives that we tend to bow down to. So we, we've got to guard ourselves. We've got God's little G in our life that pull time away from God. You know, Sea of Thieves, um, Star Wars Battlefront, whatever it is that you guys always have my son playing in the basement. And i got to get him off Xbox. Verse number three. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Verse four. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse five. Now, this is where I want to start paying attention. Um, as I mentioned in verse 1, it says spiritual gifts, but it's not just talking about spiritual gifts. It's talking about things pertaining to the Spirit. And when we think of spiritual gifts, we tend to think of things like the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and tongues and interpretation of tongues. And, and we go down this list of the nine gifts of the Spirit. But Paul's just talking about spiritual things and spiritual giftings, period. These are things you've got from the Spirit of God in your life. It's not just those nine gifts of the Spirit. It's what you're gifted by God to do. There are some people that they're awesome at things. There are some people that are terrible at things. 
And it doesn't mean because one's better than the other, one's worse than the other. It's just they're gifted to do it. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but you've got greeters who are awesome. You, you made them, and you're like, I want to be your best friend, like, forever. And I want to go home with you. And then you have people, and they're like cat greeters. How many of you own a cat? How does your cat greet you when you come home? It doesn't. <laughs> kind of looks at you, and, oh, look who found their way home today. And then that's about it, and then they go poop in a box in your house. And they think, you know, they're doing something special for you. You don't want that kind of person greeting. There are people that, that it's just not their cup of tea. So when we talk about things pertaining to the Spirit, talk about what are you gifted of God to do? And by the way, all of you are gifted to do many things. Yeah. Not just one. You're gifted to do many things. Yeah. Never make the mistake of comparing what you do to someone else. Yes. Yes. Never make. That's why the Bible tells us time and time and time again, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, I'm just not as good a singer as this person. Most foolish thing you ever did is compare. Well, I think this person on the platform is a better singer than that person on the platform. That's dangerous. You'd have been better off just to cuss. It would cause less trouble. Dangerous. Dangerous. However, now here we see what we start seeing. Excuse me, puberty. Me and my son were both voice cracks. We've got, we've got the Trinity of God involved in this. We've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit involved in these spiritual gifts that you and I have. Listen, the Trinity of God, the Godhead, all three are involved with you in what you've got and what you do. God's got this master plan we're going to see in a second, and you're part of it. Back in Genesis chapter 3... After Adam and Eve fall, and God tells Satan what he's going to do to him as a result of this, guess what? You're a part of that. As a matter of fact, when he was talking to the devil, he was thinking about your part in it. We think my part isn't very important. That, your part's in the Bible. Quit believing the lies. We have to quit believing these lies that our part is insignificant. It's not. If you've got a part, you're significant, yes. period. We see here in this verse, it talks about the Lord. That's Jesus. And there are diverse, uh, differences or uh, uh, diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. This is Jesus. The next passage talks about God the Father. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. So Jesus is in charge of the administrations. God is in charge of the operations. And then this final verse right here, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation is the job of the Holy Ghost. So when it comes to what you do and your part in the church and the effect it has on every other people, the Trinity's involved. God's the operator, Jesus is the administrator, and the Holy Ghost is the manifester. And that's what we're going to dig into a little bit this morning. They're all three involved. And it, it's going to be teachy this morning, but it'll help us. Because hopefully it'll help us understand the importance of our part in this process. It is critically important. So if you want to title the message today, you can call it My Part in Your Plan. My Part in Your Plan. You can't do this alone. You just can't. There's no such thing as an island unto itself in the body of Christ. You cannot do any of this alone. You have to have help. Not just the help of the Holy Ghost, but the help of other people as well. But we see here, let's go back, excuse me, let's go back to a verse we mentioned earlier. The first thing we're going to talk about is God the Father, the operator. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6. I'll get up my reading glasses. Pastor, I, when I got up, I, I, I sat down, the, the, these readers are new to me. So I sat down and I got them out and I was looking at something. And Jenny grabbed the glasses from me. She looked at them. She said, those are filthy. I said, go clean those. Listen, I'm new to this. So I got up and I went out. And that's where I went. I went to clean my glasses. It's not like that I didn't agree with what she said or anything. But I went out to read them. And, of course, my kids mock me now. Dad, you look so old. And people are like, well, why don't you get a larger print Bible? I'm like, I did. And they don't have billboard size. So thanks. Mind your own business, smarty pantses. Jenny thinks I look like the villain from Iron Man 1 in these glasses. She runs around calling me Obadiah. 
Tony, you know. For those of you who don't watch Marvel movies, it's anyway. So God the opera, <laughs> God the Father is the operator. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, it says, And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. God is the operator. He's in charge of operations. That's his job. He is the overseer. He has the plan, the master plan. Everybody reports to him. You notice how Jesus said, I never do anything but my father does. I say what he says. I do what he does. Why? He's not the one who has the plan. God's, God the Father is the one who has the plan. And he gives the Son and the Holy Ghost a part in that plan, but he's in charge of the whole plan. It's his plan. You do what I tell you to do. My house, kids mow the grass, they mow the grass, I want the way to mow it. Dad, I think it looks okay. No. It looks like slash and burn. You missed this chunk. You missed it. It looks, like, it looks like I have a yard full of those little troll things with the hair. No, you go back out and you remow the yard. You miss these spots. I'm in charge. Do it the way I want it done. Well, God's in charge. Look, look at Genesis chapter 3. Um, after Adam and Eve made their mistake and we have this fall, what we see in verse 14 is we see God speaking to the serpent. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because you've done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly shall you go. The dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. If you notice today, women aren't big fans of snakes typically. Typically. Now some of you laugh because you are. It's a little creepy, but it's a different story. <laughs> and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and you shall bruise its heel. Now, excuse me, the last verse there, it says, it will bruise your head. What that means is this person I've got coming, this plan. Now, this had just happened, and God already said, it's okay, I've got a plan for it. I've got a master plan. I'm going to send somebody, bruise your head, what that means. He's going to take back control from you. You took control from Adam. That's why in 2 Corinthians, the Bible calls Satan the god of this world. So, and he's still the God of this world. He's not in control of the believer, but he's in control of a lot of the things that happened around the planet. That's why you have these murders and these wars and these terrible things that people do to each other. Well, it's because the devil's in charge of that kind of stuff. For the believer, we don't have to let that happen to us. Again, this is the big plan. This is the big plan. I'm going to send somebody, and they're going to fix this. They're going to take back what you stole. He said, now listen, you're going to bruise his heel. Now, if you look up that word heel, it talks your backside. It's your backside. The devil always sneak attacks. He doesn't come right up to you and attack. He doesn't do it. He doesn't come and say, hello there, I'm the devil. I'm going to do this to you. What does he do? He tries to get you offended. Tries to get you an unforgiving. He tries to use the back door. To that's why it says he comes from the back. He comes from the back. Again, the verse I mentioned earlier, that's why it said don't be ignorant of how he works. He comes from the back. Someone says something mean about your kids. Someone says something mean about your spouse. Somebody says something mean about you. Somebody hurts your feelings. What is that? That's the devil coming from the back. They posted something on social media I didn't like. Hey, listen, bless your heart. Here's just a social media tip. If you can't read something on social media without being upset, maybe you shouldn't be on social media. Pastor Don, exactly why I'm not on there. Because people read it and they get mad and they get offended. Well, is my desire to read that stuff more important than keeping health in my home? Because the devil says when you get offended, the tormentors will be sent after you. you, won't, you when you're offended, you won't, you're not in forgiveness. You won't forgive. The tormentors are saying, would you rather have the tormentors or would you rather... Tormentors. <laughs> I'm from Floyd's Knobs. Actually, I was. The tormentors? Or do you have to read those memes that are so cute about, um, oh, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a person who likes hugs and somebody's hugging this cat and it looks like it's trying to claw the person's face off. Someone posted Jenny in that because Jenny doesn't like to hug. We're all right. We're married. It's all right. It's like, whoa, little tension in that marriage. I said, yeah, Jenny's not a marriage, and I'm great with it. It's rosebuds every day. Back to the Bible. Settle down, everyone. 
But God, God, God is the master. He, he, God is in charge of the entire plan. He's in charge of the entire operation. When it happened, he knew what he was going to do. And that's why you follow throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Satan is always trying to use religious people to kill godly people because he's thinking maybe this is the one. That's what happened with Cain and Abel. That's what's happened throughout the, New Te- the Old Testament. Well, maybe this is the one that's going to bruise my head. Let's kill him and get rid of him. And he did the same thing with Jesus. And, of course, then he realized, ooh, I made a big mistake with this one. I've messed this thing up. So God had the plan and God had to wait. You notice it said when the fullness of time had come, then Jesus got in the earth. Because, again, it's all part of the plan. That's why it says God's the God of order, not confusion. He's got a plan. He's got a plan, this master plan. And then Jesus comes into the earth, and what's Jesus do? He carries out a portion of that plan. He had to come and he had to live according to the law. He had to be perfect in what he did. He did. He was without sin. He was tempted but without sin. And he died and he went to hell and he fixed all that. And then he rose and eventually he took his blood into heaven and fixed all that because Adam and Eve's authority reached all the way into heaven. They really messed some stuff up when they messed it up. And then Jesus came back and he started talking to the people. And then Jesus started in his part of the plan after what he did in his earthly ministry, and his part of the plan is the administrator. Remember, what did the verse said? Jesus, well, let's look at it again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5, again, it says, And there are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. Every administration is done by the same Lord, Jesus. What does an administrator do? An administrator isn't the person who has the plan. The administrator helps organize resources to see that the plan comes to pass. The administrator's the organizer. They organize everything. They get it all together. They get everybody in the right spot. They have everybody do the right thing. See, when Jesus finished, what happened when he finished his earthly ministry is he went to heaven and it says God made him the head of the body of Christ. See, if we look at this next passage, if you could put that up there, what it tells us in, I think, Ephesians 1.22 is it says... And he hath put all things under his feet, talking about everything's under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be the head over all things, the church. Jesus is the head of the church. So in God's plan, Jesus is the head of the church. And what's he do? He administrates in the church. He administrates. God's got the plan, and he says, son, here's your part. You've got to go to earth. You've got to take care of this. And if you remember Jesus, he didn't always like what the Father had him do. You ever had a kid that didn't like what you told him to do? Are you sure you got a kid? He was in the garden of Gethsemane. What did he say? He said, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, please do it. Please. I I don't want to have to do this. But it's not my will be done, your will be done. You know, I've never had my kid say that to me. (laughs) You know, Father, we don't want to do that, but it's not our will be done. It's thy will be done. You ever had your kid say that to you? I didn't think so. Anything closely related to it, probably not. Jesus wasn't interested. He just just wasn't interested. But he said, listen, Father, I'll do it if this is what needs to be done. So he did his job. God the Father said, okay, now you're in charge of the church, son. Organize this. You know the plan. You know what I wanted. I want people to walk in that full authority Adam and Eve had. I want people to walk in their best life. I want people, I want as many people as possible to be reached. Son, you make all this work. I've given you all the tools. I've given you all the resources. You organize it. That was his job. He's the head of the church. So when we look at Ephesians chapter 4, we see that starting to take place. Or actually, we see Paul explaining that to the church about how this thing's going on. It says, but to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now stop right here. What is grace? Grace is just your gift. It says, every one of us is given grace. So is anyone excluded? No. Everyone has a gift. What is their gift? According to the measure of the gift. So you've got this much of grace for your gift. And maybe you've got a little bit more because you've got to do a little bit more. And maybe your territory is a little bigger than someone else that you're supposed to reach or a little smaller. Everyone, every one of us is given grace according to the gift of who? Jesus. Jesus gave it to you. Jesus gave you your gift. 
Why? He's the administrator. He's organizing the whole thing. Did he make a mistake? Did he make a mistake in the gift he gave you? No. Now, does that mean you always want to use that gift? No. But it's there. It's there. Look at the next verse, verse 8. It says, Wherefore he said, when he ascended up upon high, he gave, led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to who? Men, or mankind, is how that actually reads. Who did this? Did God give the gift? Jesus gave the gift. Why? Jesus is in charge of the church. We're the church. God made it available. God's got the plan. But God said, Jesus, you do this part of it. And then he administrates God's plan in the earth. Who gets a part of it? Everybody gets a part of it. Everybody who's ever been alive, everybody who will ever be alive has a part of this. We keep reading. We're skipping down to verse 11. It says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Now this is what they call the five-fold ministry gift or pulpit ministry. But they're not the only person who got it or only people who got it. But in this particular passage, that's what it's talking about, that group. It said grace given to every person, every person. Now, some people think, well, it, it does, I'm not, a, I'm not a, in five-fold ministry, I'm not a preacher. I didn't think I was going to be a preacher either. I thought I would teach social studies and coach wrestling for 25 years, and eventually I'd just retire, and that would be my life. I had no idea I'd ever preach to people, didn't want to preach to people. As a matter of fact, I didn't know if I liked people. I do, but I didn't know then if I did a whole lot. You ever been there, D? Don't lie to me. You sure? Say it again. Did you hear that? D's felt the same way. So if you're mad at me, be mad at D too. (laughs) No, don't do that. But again, administrating. Administrating. Jesus administrated these gifts to the pulpit ministers, but it's not just the pulpit ministers, it's everyone. Look in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, again, talking about these things being distributed once again. Verse 12, uh, or chapter 12, around verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me. Now this is Paul talking. Paul's saying, I'm saying this to you because of the grace I've been given or because of the gift I've been given. What's the reason Paul was preaching to these people, the gift he had? What's the reason I'm talking to you today, the gift I have, the gift to teach? If I didn't have it, I've got no business being up here. Correct? So Paul's saying, because of the gift I have, I will say this to you. To every man that is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly. So what's he saying here? Listen, you're gifted, but don't let it go to your head. You're great, but you're not all that great. I remember Dr. Dufresne telling a story, Pastor Nancy, some woman came up to Dr. Dufresne after a meeting and said, oh, you're so wonderful, you're so awesome, you're amazing, you're so anointed. And she walked away, Pastor Nancy just looked at him and said, Don't believe it. (laughs) Don't believe it. Why? You can't let that stuff get to your head. I'm such a good singer. I'm such a good preacher. I'm so anointed. I do so many good and right things. Listen, it doesn't say you can't think highly of yourself. You just don't want to think more highly of yourself than you ought. Because then what happens is you start trying to do stuff you're not anointed to do and you get in trouble. I can do that. Oh, no, you can't. Not if God didn't put that in, you can't, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You start dabbling in stuff you're not gifted to do. You're going to cause problems. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's why when you look in 1 Corinthians and they're talking about the body of Christ, it says, listen, the, the, the eye can't say to the ear, you're ugly, I have no use of you. And on the flip side, the ear, the ear can't say, well, I'm not the eye, so I'm not important. That takes care of both sides of the thing here. You can't say you're not important because you're not someone else, and you can't say you're more important because you are. It says both are needed, both are important. Quit doing that. Quit thinking I'm so great and you're so stinky. Or quit thinking I'm so stinky and you're so great. It's what it's talking about here. Think soberly. What's that mean? Don't get drunk on yourself. Don't get intoxicated in how great you think you are. You're not that great. God's great. Jesus is great. He put greatness in you, but the purpose of the greatness isn't to draw attention to yourself. It's to draw attention to him. Amen. So we continue on here. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to how many people? Every man 
the measure of faith. Every person has it. Every person has a gift. Who did it come from? Jesus. Again, he's the administrator. He put it in you. And we continue on here. And it goes through the list. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given. Again, we all have gifts that are differing according to the grace that is given. Who's the grace given guy? It's given by Jesus. He administrated the whole thing. Prophecy, let him prophesy according to the portion of, now according to the portion of his faith. Prophesy according to what's in you, not just what you want to do. The portion that you've been given. This is what you've been given to do. Don't go beyond that. You, you remember Paul saying we were close to dying because we, we were stretched beyond measure. He tried to do stuff he wasn't supposed to be doing. He got in trouble. What, what, what's my part? What am I supposed to be doing? Then stick with that. You know, sometimes you don't want to have ants in your pants. You guys know what ants in pants means? I'm 50 years old. Some people are like, what on earth? is It's an infestation. What do you mean? <laughs> ants in pants means you just, you just can't get settled wherever you are. I feel like I need to do no more. I need to do more. I need to do more. Listen, listen. Do what you know to do. Just do what you know to do. Be happy with what you know to do. And in due season, God will help promote it. But do what you know to do. And then God will take care of it. Paul says you need to labor to enter into this rest. Sometimes we labor to enter into this rest because we just need to relax. We feel like I just got to push, 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 push. No. We keep moving forward in the things of God, but you don't want to be frustrated about it all the time. I remember when, when I felt I should be involved in children's ministry, Jenny looked at me and she said, what's wrong with you? Actually, she said that a few times during our marriage. But she said, what's wrong with you? She said, you're like a pregnant woman. I'm like, I am not. Stomp it. She said, you are. You're like a pregnant woman. What's wrong with you? And then I talked to her a little bit. Well, I had something I knew I was supposed to be doing, and I'd let myself get frustrated about it. And I wasn't very fun to be around. Usually I'm just a barrel of laughs, right, honey? Yes, I am. Right, day girls? They live with me, so, yeah. At least Ray Day moved. I know she's alive. But we continue on here. According to the grace is given to you again, whether prophecy, let him prophesy according to the portion of faith. And then we continue on. Or ministry, let him wait on his ministry. Again, wait on it. Just relax. Just do what you know to do, and it'll come. Quit, quit, quit kicking, quit freaking. Just relax. Just relax a little bit. Or he that teacheth on teaching. And then what happens is it just goes on and it continues talking about different things that people are gifted to do. But it talks about a lot of things that aren't pulpit ministry. This whole passage is about, a lot of it's not even Paul. Teaching, well, that doesn't necessarily teaching here. It means teaching the kids. Right. Teaching in an outreach. Maybe teaching at the juvenile detention center. So what we see in this, we see Jesus. Now, when Jesus finished his work on the earth, they didn't need his giftings in heaven. And, and John says that Jesus had the spirit without measure. Jesus was the entire body of Christ when he's in the earth. But when he finished, what he did is he said, okay, I don't need this gifting of a pastor in heaven, so I'm going to put a portion of it in Pastor Jordan, and I'm going to put a portion of it in Pastor Diana, and, then I, and I'm going to put them in New Albany, Indiana. And then I've got this portion that goes to this pastor in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and then I've got a portion of this anointing that goes in this pastor in Beijing, China, and then I've got a portion of this pastor it goes in Cape Town, South Africa. And then what happens is he puts all these giftings in these different people, and then he has them in these different geographic locations because he knows they need that in that region, and they need that in that region. And this church, Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana, this is the plan this church is supposed to fill, and I put a pastor in that church, and he does it all, and he does, he's done it throughout the whole history of the church. That's what Jesus did. He organized this is where this church is supposed to be, and this church, and this church, and this church, and this church, and this church. Are all the churches around put there by him? No. Do all churches have a real pastor? No. Are all pastors pastoring? No. But that doesn't mean it's not part of the plan. So he's got all these things put all over the earth for the last 2,000 some odd years. And then he's put all these pastors that he's given a portion of his anointing and prophets over here and apostles and evangelists and teachers. And he's put these people all over the place. But again, it doesn't stop there. We just saw Romans chapter 12. Then he says, okay, now I've got people who are supposed to be in that church in New Albany, Indiana, 
under Pastor Jordan. And he's got in him what they need to grow and live their best life. And they've got in them what that church needs to fulfill that church's part of what? Of the master plan. Whose plan? God the Father's plan. Remember, all of this is about God the Father's plan. What's it to do? Get back the devil's authority. Take away his territory. Help people live their best life. That's what it's all about. And by the way, in doing so, you live your best life. Bible, it, Bible talks so much about seed time and harvest. What we do, we get back. I commit to helping someone else succeed. What's going to happen for me? Someone's going to help make sure I succeed. And as a matter of fact, I don't just get one person doing it. I get all kinds of people doing it. Because whenever you sow a seed, you always get a harvest. So when I commit to someone else's success, I'm sowing me, but I get all these people that say, hey, we're going to do things to bless your life. And it's more than I could ever do by myself. So Jesus starts administrating these things and he puts these churches all around and he puts these peoples in these churches and then he takes a portion of his gift and gives it to this greeter because Jesus was just the best greeter. greeter. Greeters are extra. You know, my kids tell me extra. You know what extra is? It's like overly flamboyant. Have you ever been to a church and you've met an overly flamboyant greeter? Hey, praise God, we're glad you're here today. We've been waiting for you. So had it. Here, let me help. You smell so good today. You're great. It's nice to see. It's wonderful. You'd be like, sakes alive, what's wrong with them? They're excited about what they're doing. We were watching videos for children's ministry the other day, and Olivia just looked at me, and she said, those people are so extra. It's awesome. It seems almost they're just excited. And we're going to see here in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, he's more excited than all of us put together. He is so, what do they say, stoked? Or does that mean like doing drugs? Is that okay to say? Okay. He is stoked. So I don't know. You guys move these. You guys, we had, we had a meeting. You do, man. You change these words. And I'm like, wait, that used to mean something else. I think I said something bad. Well, I was talking the other day at a meeting. They talk about, you go to the meeting, they talk about lean into Lord, lean into God. You know, I hear it. And I'm like, what, not, what, what are y'all talking about? Lean into the Lord. And I told everybody, I was like, lean. I was like, that make me closer to him what exactly does that mean so you know different generations same kind of stuff just different words so so jesus again jesus put all of these things in these people and he put them in these different locations and he said okay when all of these people come together and all of these people are doing their part then what's going to happen is church on the rock is going to do its part for the master plan and here are the people it's going to reach and here are the things it's going to do in that region and he does that with every church he's a joy. That's why he shouldn't run around bad-mouthing other churches. I got mad one time and did that. Actually, probably more than once. And God just asked me a simple question. When did I start talking to you about what I called them to do? Well, that shut that up. Well, sir, you don't. He said, exactly, keep your mouth off it. I don't talk to you about what I call someone else to do. He said, that's not your business. Stay out of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'll do that. So we have God the Father. He's the master planner. He had a plan for the beginning, Genesis 3. Guess what? You're a part of it. Why? Jesus administered, administrated something into you to help that come to pass. Now, you might be thinking, I can't do it. My schedule's too busy. I got too much going on. What I feel like I'm supposed to do is too much for me. I can't handle it. You're absolutely right. You can't. That's why I sent a helper. You can't do it. You can't, in and of yourself, you cannot do it. But that's why he gave us the Holy Ghost. We go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 once again, and it talks about the Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? Every man. So the Holy Spirit wants to manifest on everybody's part. Every single person. You see someone ministering, you think, oh, the Spirit really moves through them. He's just waiting to move through you. It says every man. didn't say just some people. It said every man. Why? To profit with all. To bless everybody. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we see the Holy Spirit. From the beginning, waiting to manifest. We read this, and it says, Genesis 1, 2. There we go. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Now, the word moved is, well, it's, it's, it's a good translation, but a, a better one would be hovered, or I like this, trembled. Trembled. What was he doing? Waiting. Excitedly. 
There, there's a word in the Old Testament called Hasid. In the New Testament, they call it agape. In the New Testament, it, it had never been used because nobody knew how to define it until Paul started using it. Word agape. It is, it is the, the best way I can describe it, and this isn't disrespectful, but the best way I can describe it, if you ever have a dog, you ever have a little dog, and whenever you come home, it is so excited, it's shaking, and it wags its tone, its whole body wags, and it's just, oh, you're home, you're home, you're home, you're home! <laughs> I mean, hyped, pumped. That's what that word means. The word tremble, the Holy Ghost is just so excited, just waiting for you to let it do something. Will you do something? Will you open your mouth? Will you do something? Waiting, 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 waiting. He's, he's excited. I'm so, oh, I peed, I'm sorry. Now, the Holy Ghost, the dog does, the Holy Ghost does. But it's, it's, it is, see, we think of God sitting on a throne. We think of God all formal and proper. We think of God, oh, that's, I'm above it. The Holy Ghost is just, he is, he is, it's like he is stalking you. He's so excited. He's like, Amsie, I want to do something for you. I want to do something for you. I want to do something. If I did that all day, you'd be like, would you shut up? But that, he's just waiting. He's waiting. That's why Jesus said it's more profitable if I leave. And he come because Jesus can't be everywhere. The Holy Ghost can. That's why he said it's been more beneficial. As a matter of fact, when he said it's more expedient for you that I go, it's the same word as the word profit with all. It's going to profit with all if I go. Right now it's profit because I'm with you. But I want to profit with all. So I got to go so he can come. And what's he doing? Just waiting. He's so pumped. He is just waiting. He can't wait for you to let him help. He can't wait. He can't wait. You got a situation you're worried about? He's just standing staring at you, just shaking. Really, just think like a little dog. Any of you have a, any of you have a dog like that? Now, I know you don't have a cat like that, but you got a dog like that? So, I mean, you go to the mailbox and come back, and it's like, you've been gone so long, I missed you. Are you what's wrong with you? He is so pumped. The Bible says when you wake up, he's hyped. He's awake, he's awake, he's awake! Tell me to do something, tell me to do something, tell me to do something, tell me to do something. He is hovering and waiting. Why? He is your helper. You can't do it by yourself. He's right there. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, it's almost like he's a stalker, but he's a good one. He's like, oh, oh, there's Dan, there's Dan, there's Dan, there's Dan, there's Dan. There's Dan. Dan. Tell me to do something. Tell me to do something. Tell me to do something. He's, he can't control himself. See, we think of it like, no way. Oh, yeah. That's what Hasid is. Can't wait. To bless your life. And the great thing is when the Bible says he's a helper, it doesn't mean we do nothing. You notice it says he was hovering over the face of the deep, but he couldn't do anything until God spoke. He's got all of this power, all of this ability, but i got to give him something to work with. Why? Because he's not the doer, he's the helper. See, come here, Brother Amsie. If Amsie's the Holy Ghost, no, he's not. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. <laughs> So we've got this, and let's say the Holy Ghost, he's the Holy Ghost, and I'm like, Holy Ghost, move that for me. Well, he can't. Why? I'm not giving him any help. Holy Ghost, move that, move that, move that. No, nope, you can't. I'm not going to help. I, I want him to move it. Please move it. Please move it. Now I can give a faith command, but i, I got to give him something to work with. And I say, okay, Holy Ghost, pick that up for me. And I come, and I do this, and pick, pick it up. Pick it up, Holy Ghost. Now, is this equal effort? No. Am I helping? No, no, no. It's a yes, no question, people. Am I helping? Yes. Yes. Didn't say there's equal effort. Thank you, sir. Bible never said there's equal effort. It said he's your helper. It didn't say you have to put in as much work as he does, because guess what? You can't. Said all you got, all you got to do is, Andy, you're so strong. He came over, Jessica's rubbing him. You're so strong. <laughs> J- Jenny doesn't do stuff like that. She's not a hugger. Oh, that's all right. I'm fine with it. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who aren't familiar with me and Jenny, we joke all the time. We just, hey, we have fun. We have fun. I think I broke my glasses. That's right, I obviously can't keep them clean anyway. 
Let's look at, let's look at Acts chapter 1 in the time we have left. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it tells us what we get when the Holy Ghost comes. Anybody know what the answer is? Power or ability. What do we get when he comes? Ability. God's got the master plan. Jesus administrated it and put all of us in it somewhere. Then he said, listen, you can't do it by yourself. Let me give you somebody who is going to help you do it. He's going to be there all the time. He's never going to leave you. He can always make it come to pass. And if you notice, it says, you're going to be a witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. If you look geographically, Jerusalem's here, then Judea, then Samaria. Quit thinking about being a great minister worldwide. Why don't you just be a minister in your local church first? And then what happens? God promotes. God promotes. Um, Genesis chapter, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, one of my favorite verses, and this is what we'll finish up with. It says, every joint supplies. We're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all supposed to be connected. And it says, every single joint supplies. What is it you supply? Your gift. Your anointing that comes with your gift. If you've got a part of your body that's connected, but it's not properly connected, what eventually happens to that part? It falls off. It dies and doesn't work. See, there's something that that member needs to give to the body. Listen, I could still survive without one arm, but it sure would be hard. When I'm not properly connected and there's not that flow back and forth of what I give to the body and what the body gives to me, there's something I'm not getting. And eventually it starts affecting how I function. If my body doesn't get enough blood, you ever sleep on your arm the wrong way? And then you get up and you're like, what are You can't use your arm? Well, that's how a lot of believers are. They're not properly connected. The flow's been cut off. The flow, and they wonder, why, why does my life feel like this? The flow's cut off. You're not connected. You're not involved. Do something. Got to find something to do. Got to find something to do. Amen. So listen, this is big. And you've got a part in it. It's God's master plan. Jesus administrated it, put you in the thing, and then he said, I'm sending the Holy Ghost. He's going to help you take care of this whole thing. It's not about you. It's not about your looks. It's not about your natural ability. You can't do it by yourself. That's why you got the Holy Ghost. It's a gift in you. And there will be times that you will be asked to do things you don't think you can do. Congratulations, you can't. But you got one who can help you do it. Amen. Isn't that the great thing about God? Isn't that the great thing about God? He'll ask you, how many times in the Bible do people say, Father, I can't do that? No, you can't. But I'm going to send somebody to help you. And guess what? He's here. Dr. Jacobs was praying about praying in the, talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. He probably prayed about it before he talked about it, but he's pray, talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. And what did he say? The more we do it, the more we improve ourselves, the more we move ourselves forward. This is all to help other people. It's all to help us live our best life. It's all to help Church on the Rock do what we were put in the earth at this time with these people. You're not here by accident. I never met Bronson before in my life before he came here. But I know him now. Why? God knew. God put us together. I went to Dr. Jacob's church in Otisco when I was a little kid when Mike Adkins came to sing. Really? Really. I didn't have any idea I'd work for that man one day. No clue on earth. I just remember it was kind of a dingy old building with a bunch of old people in it. I thought, now, I thought she was awesome. Like, wait, who's that woman? You know, because that's what six-year-olds always do. Anyway. <laughs> Now, the reason to talk about all this, again, it's, it's, it's Helps Team Sunday. It's Helps Team Sunday. The, Bobby's body, the Bible says, what am I talking about? It's a remix. The Bible says that when one suffers, we all suffer. That's because we're connected. We all have a part. When, when a part's not doing what it's supposed to do, it affects all of us. It affects all of us. I encourage you, find your part. What's your place? What are you supposed to be doing? Listen, you're either called to the pulpit ministry or to a helps team. Period. You can't be in the will of God without being involved somewhere. It says every man is given this. Every. There's, there are no exceptions. Everyone. In our church, we allow people middle school and up to serve. Middle school and up. If there's anyone in here, your middle school or up, yes. you got a job. Yes. 
you got something you need to be doing. To be in the plan of God for your life, you got to get involved. you got to give him something to work with, and then it opens the door to more things in your life. When you guys came in, the, the, the greeters handed out these um, little cards, and it's just a, a small description of what the departments are like. And you can have those. You're welcome to look over those here in a few minutes. I should have said look over in a few minutes. Now everybody's looking at them. They're not paying attention to me. Look at me. Look at me, Doc. I see you took it out. Thanks, Doc. That's okay. Doc apologizes. He's so nice. His Doc's like, why do I sit on the front row when this guy preaches? He always picks on me. <laughs> but here in a minute, what we're going to do is we're going to give you opportunity to go in the back in the large fellowship hall and sign up. You might be thinking, well, I don't know what I'm... What, I'm, what I should do, what God wants me to do. What do you like doing? Are you a people person? Maybe you're a greeter. You don't like people? Maybe you should be in housekeeping. <laughs> I say that jokingly. My wife's over housekeeping. That's funny. <laughs> Pastor Nancy actually said that one day. All the people who don't like people put them in housekeeping. Everybody looked at Jenny like. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, all the non-huggers, you go to housekeeping or um, grounds. Don't go to landscaping, you may kill a flower or something. <laughs> Stupid flower. Hey, you, you like outside? Get involved in landscaping, get involved in the grounds. You like kids? Get in the kids' ministry. You don't like kids? Don't get in the kids' ministry. You like singing and, and you're skilled at it? Not just you like it, you're skilled at it. <laughs> Praise is an option. Can you play an instrument well? Something, again, no spoons, no accordions. Sign up for worship. <laughs> Nothing wrong with those instruments. God likes accordions, too. And bagpipes, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but anyway. We have all kinds of things for everyone. But every part supplies. There are no exceptions. Well, I can't do it. Holy Ghost will help you. Let him help you. Let him help you. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the ushers. If you guys could pass out those forms, please. And what these are, are these are our helps team forms. And what it is, is it, we ask for some information there on the left. All of this information will be kept private. On the right are some of the different teams that we offer here at Church on the Rock. And on the back, it talks about qualifications for being a part of those teams. What we'd like to do is have every single person Middle school and up, fill one of those out. Everybody, every single human in this room, yes. middle school and up, if you're breathing air from within this room, Amen. we would like you to fill one out. Yes. Now, you may be involved in a department. You think, well, I don't know if I want to be involved in that department anymore. Well, continue serving and let them know. Give them notice. Hey, I don't know if I want to work in this department anymore. I want to try to do something else. Hey, and by the way, listen, you can do more than one thing. It is possible. It is possible. Now, don't run yourself into the ground, but you can do more than one thing. But what's your slot? Again, I was mentioning earlier, you may not know for sure what God wants you to do. Well, what do you like doing? Do that. Start there. Start, you got to start somewhere. You know, if I'm playing checkers with somebody and they move and then I never move, the game goes nowhere. Right? God's already done his part. He gave us Jesus. He put those giftings in you. You've been administrated into this local church. Now he's waiting on you. You take your step, then he'll take his step. And that's just how it goes. It's back and forth. It's back and forth. So find your part. Find what it is that you're supposed to do. Sign up. If you don't know what to do, sign up for something. Sign up for something. So you helps teams leaders, you guys are dismissed to go to the back to their table. And we're going to take some time in here for those of you who are not a helps team leader. Go through that information. Fill that information out. If you have questions, in the large fellowship hall we have tables set up with signs for the different departments. You can get guidelines. You can read through those and see what exactly is involved in this. Because you may look at, well, the juvenile detention center. What, what, what do I have to do there? We'll pick up the guidelines for that team and see what it says. And then you can figure out, okay, this is going to flow for me or this isn't going to flow for me. But again, we want everybody, everybody to fill one out and turn it in. Because every man has been given a gift to be used for the local church. Pastor Diana? Yes, I have something I just want to encourage you with. You know, sometimes we come to church and we feel like, uh, I don't know what you think it was put here for. But the church wasn't put here for your convenience. It was put here.
because you are a living organism in it. And to keep it alive, you have to do your part that was put in you. And so you can't just come and sit and receive because it's a non-functioning part of his body and it's causing it not to function wholly. But, you know, a long time ago I got fired up about something. And you, the coach, I w I've always felt like, you know, my after I realized I was an exhorter in the body of Christ, I realized when I was in high school I missed it. I should have been a cheerleader. You know, because I realize that's what I am in a natural sense, a cheerleader. But one time I got fired up about, uh, everybody kept using this word, be a game changer. And so then I, every, where I went, I kept hearing these different terms. And one was bring your A game and be a game changer. But then the one that really got to me was you have to put some skin in the game. You have to put some skin in the game to be a game changer. And so then I was sitting with Pastor Keith Rogan, who's an ex-football player, and he was talking to me with Pastor Alvin about, you know, that's literal. You all, Every time you go into a game and come back out, you've literally left some skin behind. I said, really? And so I was getting fired up about that. But I'm telling you that, you know, we see bigger churches that have more ministries and more abilities to function and help people. I know bigger churches, they have a lot more expanded ministry. And the pastor probably, ha he knows about it, but he's probably not even half aware of what goes on there because it's so big. I know uh, they can have ministries to people, uh, just because we've gone through this recently, uh, to people that are going through a grief situation. Uh, they have ministries to people that have all kinds of things going on. But it takes a lot of people getting in the game, putting some skin in the game, bringing their A game to be a game changer. Okay, write all that down. <laughs> but I just thought, you know, you've really got to realize why you were put here. And it wasn't just to come in here and to do and be doing whatever you're doing out here. The body of Christ is why you were put here. So you need to get involved in this, and then all those things flow to you from out there. But so many people in the body of Christ have it totally backwards. They're pursuing their career. They're pursuing a family. They're pursuing something about their kids. They're pursuing all these, and that's why they're not seeing the results they need to see that they, God has promised them in the word. They're not seeing it because there's more to it than, you know, just coming and sitting and hear that word. It's being a participator. It's responding. It's speaking, speaking. You have to speak what you want. You have to move towards what you want. You have to get involved. And I tell you, I know just like people that go on mission trips and go other places a lot of times, they'll come back and say, you know, that changed my life. And you know why they thought it changed their life? Because for maybe a week or two weeks' time, they totally focused on other people and ministering to them and not about their own needs or wants or what was happening back home. They were focused, and they had a life-changing experience. But that can happen in your local church when you get involved in some ministry here where you put your hand to the plow and you're accomplishing something and you're seeing results and you're helping the ministers that have the overall vision that God gave them to accomplish something in the city. And you're not sitting back and just giving your opinions about what's going on. You're actually doing something. Amen. So I just want to encourage you today to, if you haven't been involved recently, I just stir you up. You know, the young people are looking for something to live for. They got to see that, that there is something for them to do that's worthwhile in the earth. They, that's how I got saved. I realized whatever I was thinking up I needed to do was not going to be fulfilling, and I couldn't accomplish it on my own anyway. And God came into my life and gave me a purpose. And so this is your purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm done. Listen, usually we're here till 12 o'clock. So you've got, look at that, you've got like 23 minutes extra. So there's enough time to fill it out. There's enough time to fill it out, take the information back. You don't need to scurry out. You'll, you'll still be able to beat people to the buffet and things like that. But again, take some time to fill it out. Middle school and up, we've got a place for you. We'd love to have you involved. It is like Pastor Diana said, you know, it's, it's, it's your calling is what it is. And this is how we move forward. And, you know, I've got young kids and we're involved in different activities. But I noticed when they started getting plugged into church, things just seemed to work out with our schedule. Yeah. Things just seemed to work. God made things. They just worked out for us. 
So um, we're going to pray and dismiss you guys. You can fill that out, please. Again, the large fellowships hall is where all of the different department or the team leaders are. You can get information from them about it, fill it out, put it in that box. We'll take care of it and get a hold of you. Anything else we need to add, Pastor or Pastor? Just excited to see the results. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for a great day today. We thank you for your mercy and your peace. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for people plugging in, finding their part, being a supply where you've called them to be. We thank you for all of the benefits that happen in people's lives as a result of their doing it. I thank you for the angels that go with them. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for assisting them and being their helper as they plug in, as they do their part, as they go to work or life group or whatever it may be today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you folks for coming. And again, you can go to the Large Fellowship Hall and ask a team leader if you have any questions.